the most important thing to me is that my athletes succeed and that they're reaching their maximum potential. It's not about me and it's not about my ego. It's not like I have to write it and I have to be the best. No, it's about them succeeding and them reaching their fullest potential. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to be able to make that happen. Hey, it's Ben Wise, and this is The Fitness Movement. The Fitness Movement is brought to you by Zor Fitness. Zor Fitness is my company and my platform to deliver training-related content to people just like you. The site features in-depth articles, movement breakdowns, and our online training program, The Protocol. And I offer one-on-one remote coaching for fitness athletes. So I hope you check it out. Head over to ZorFitness.com. That's Z-O-A-R Fitness.com. See you there. Today, we got Justin Kotler on the show. He is the founder and owner of CrossFit Dynamics in Queens, New York, which has been thriving for right about a decade now. He was the head coach of the grid team the DC Brawlers, and he led them to two championships. And he also received the NPGL, which is the National Pro Grid League Coach of the Year. Justin is currently the United States Functional Fitness National Team Head Coach. In 2020, Justin and his family moved to Las Vegas, where he started Underdogs Athletics. And currently, Justin's coaching roster is sort of a who's who of elite CrossFit athletes including third fittest woman on earth, Carrie Pierce, along with Bethany Shadburn, Danielle Brandon, Tola Moraquino, and Matt DeLugos. Together, those athletes won four out of the 10 of the 2020 quarterfinal events for North America. You can find him on Instagram at Justin Kotler and at Underdogs Athletics, Facebook at Underdogs Athletics, and on the web at underdogsathletics.com. Today, we talk about the benefits and potential difficulties of running a camp of elite athletes. Um, We get into Justin's coaching philosophy, how he helps build trust with his athletes, and when he needs to, having tough conversations. We also talk about dealing with burnout with elite athletes and navigating the logistics of individualized sessions while still having the friendly competition that's needed uh, for the elite athletes to push each other. And we finish out by talking about what he's got brewing in Vegas with the Underdogs crew. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Justin Kotler. Justin, welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. So first question I got to start off with is who is Justin Matthews? Oh, that's funny. So so it's actually it's Justin Matthew because it's my first name spelled with a Y and then Matthew is my middle name. So that was, that was my stage name uh, when I was a, a full-time recording artist in my previous life, I like to tell people. Um, yeah, so that was uh, 97 to like 2007, pretty much full-time. Uh, and then there were some transition years when I started to, uh, to transition into fitness full-time. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's crazy, man. It just, it does. It seems like a different life now, but it, a, a good one though, you know? So, yeah, I, uh, taught high school and, um, it, I, I say the same thing. It's like, Oh, this is a previous life. It just feels like it's a, such a different time. It's crazy. Well, yeah. Which is, that's less of a transition than I feel like from, you know, recording music and doing all this stuff to the fitness industry. It's just like a, a 180. It seems like, however, I would imagine there's some parallels. Like are there things that you felt like, 
are skills that you learn in the music industry that like carry over well to oh, yeah. the fitness industry? A hundred percent. You know, and I, I think it's interesting because my wife uh, was, was also, uh, now she was in the musical theater side, um, but she was a full-time performer. And I think for both of us, you know, I, I like to say it's where, where before music, you know, you're up on stage, et cetera. Now fitness is, is my stage in a sense, being in front of people and having those people skills and being comfortable in front of a crowd. And, you know, uh, that all comes very natural to me. Uh, and I think it, it absolutely translates well, um, especially with a lot of the coaching that I've done for teams, uh, in grid, especially when you had 20 people on a team, et cetera, right. uh, being able to, to have a presence and being able to, you know, to speak in front of people, I think is, is definitely a skill. Uh, and it's one that, that when you're in the entertainment industry, it's something you have to be able to do well. And so I, I think without question, it, it translated well. And then obviously owning your own box and coaching classes, all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, you know, being engaging in front of people is important. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I think that's probably an underrated skill in coaching is just the ability to be able to, you know, make your personality a little bit bigger, especially in like a group atmosphere or in front of a team, like you were talking about. It's huge. Huge. Absolutely. We, we used to talk about it all the time uh, in you know, so we own CrossFit Dynamics, uh, which, you know, has been around a long time and, and obviously have, has had a very strong community in, in uh, Astoria, Queens for, for a very long time. And we, I used to talk about it with my coaches, you know, generally speaking, the, the athletes that come to the classes, they don't care about how much, how many certifications you have, how much science, you know, what you can spout off. They want to be, they want you to make them feel special. You know, they, they want to come to class. They want to be engaged. Obviously they want to learn things, but they want to have a connection. And if you can't do that in front of a class, then you're never going to be a great coach. And that's, you know, having the knowledge is one thing, but then being able to impart it and be able to coach a class where you can, where you can get people that, that are interested and that want to come back. That's, that's the most important thing. And, you know, I'll, 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 I'll take somebody who's, who's engaging, uh, over, you know, over someone who can spout off a lot of science, but can't really talk in front of people. I, I mean, I'll take that other person every time, you know? So yes, without question, it's, uh, it's, it's super important. Um, and I, you know, but, and I think obviously it can get better with practice, but, but it's one of those things. It's a phenomenal skill to have. Yeah. I mean, music is, it's largely about just like, especially if like when you have an audience is like connecting with them is like the name of the game. Yeah. And it's the same thing with a coach athlete relationship. Like you just want to connect with them because then they're going to trust you and have more buy into the program. And like, yeah. yeah, they're probably gonna actually adapt better to it too. <laughs> like from just like 100%. looking at it from that that perspective. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you're a creative person? I would say so. And I think everybody has different, different types, uh, you know, where I, listen, I, I, I'm the worst like artist in the world. <laughs> I can't draw or paint <laughs> or anything like that, but yeah. yeah, I think so. I was an English major at the university of Pennsylvania and, and, um, one of my favorite things to do is write and uh, write a lot of poetry in college. And then obviously that translated very well to writing um, lyrics, 
for songs and yeah, songwriting. Totally. And, and now I think, you know, I, I do some writing. I, I do some, uh, I've done some op-eds for Barbend. Uh, I do some writing still, which yeah. I love, I love to do. But then obviously being creative, the creative process uh, for me now, obviously is programming, right? So, yeah, um, totally. and, and I think, I think that that is a bit of an art form for sure. And, you know, there are, there are some people obviously that program extremely well and uh, there's no perfect program, but, but I think, you know, when you're able to, to see the progress and be able to get the most out of your athletes, now, a lot of that does come from the creative process. And it, and it also, you know, you have to be willing to evolve. And I think that's part of it as well, um, because, you know, programming is, a, is an ever-evolving process. Um, so I think, you know, the creativity that I've had in the past as, a, as an artist, as a, as a singer, songwriter, um, has translated very well to, to now this medium. Yeah. I would say I'm sort of similar way where like I have some creative outlets. Like I, I feel like I'm a creative person, but like people wouldn't necessarily think of me that way because like, <laughs> I don't do like, I don't sing or songwrite or draw or do those sorts of things. But I feel like I'm in general, a creative person. And one of the challenges I feel for myself, and I'm guessing this is way for other coaches who are creative is like, it's like creativity is, is an important part of, like programming for CrossFit because it's got a variety of things and yeah. challenges and all that kind of stuff. But also at a certain point you have to learn to like kind of corral it and kind of keep it within sort of like the, the lanes, like bumpers on like uh when you were like a little kid bowling, <laughs> like sure. basically you're trying to keep it in the lane. Are there ways that you feel like you sort of like put bumpers on your creativity? So it's aligning with what you need to do. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think without question there's, I mean, the great thing about CrossFit though, is it, is that the, the lanes are pretty wide, right? Um, <laughs> True. so, so, so you can, you can be pretty creative and, and honestly, the programming for the games, especially is incredibly yeah. wide. There's so many right. things that, that, that are in bounds per se. Right. Um, so that allows you to really think outside the box, you know, now, now I'm sure I could go back through some of the programming <laughs> over the years and be like, well, that was kind of interesting. That's, that's probably never going to yeah. show up. Um, <laughs> but, but you never know with Dave, right? So like you, you'll see, see, you'll see something each year where you're like, whoa, you know, where did they get that from? Um, mm -hmm. and there's always a new movement or a, a, a new apparatus or, you know, some new toy that they create and, you know, you see it and then you're like, Oh, okay. Now we have to learn. Now we have to perfect that right now. We have right. to be good at that. Um, so it, it does allow you to think outside the box, but obviously, you know, you, you do have to take the athletes like health and best interest in mind too. Um, yeah, of course. So, so there, there, there are, there are some limitations, but the beautiful thing about CrossFit is there's so many things to, to be good at and to get good at. And it, it allows you to, uh, you know, I like to say it, you can play jazz a little bit, right? Like you can ad lib and you can, right. you can have some fun with it. Um, it's not, it's just not Olympic weightlifting where there's, you know, your two lifts, it's not powerlifting where there's three lift. It's, you know, um, it's, it's everything. Right. Uh, and 
that that's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I still think that's why we can safely say that the men and women who win the CrossFit Games for that year are the fittest men and women in, on earth. It's because they they really do things that are superhuman across you know all modalities. It's it's absolutely amazing, and I see that stuff in the gym you know, with the athletes that we have here, and it's you know, sometimes you just shake your head, you know, and it was that way in grid too. Then now that was more with specialists, but just being able to see people do things, you know, and, and maximize, you know, human performance is just, it's just wild. It's awesome. For sure. So I, I imagine one of the challenges for any coach who is, you know, heading a number of elite athletes and whatever sport it is, is like usually the, the, the coach never got to that sort of a level where like you're, you're coaching an athlete who is better than you ever were or ever will be. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's honestly the goal for a lot of coaches. Yeah. Like what, what kind of level do you think a coach needs to be like proficiency of like their own movements, you know, their own sort of fitness journey to actually be, have enough of their own experience where they can relate well enough to their athletes to coach them well. That's a great question. Uh, so I played college sports. Uh, I played college basketball uh, and I played college golf. And I've always been uh, an athlete, you know, uh, since I was a little kid, incredibly competitive, incredibly athletic. And then when I got, by the time I got into CrossFit, I was, I was kind of old um, <laughs> and, and had some, had had a few serious left knee injuries playing basketball, had had three surgeries, et cetera. So by the time I was, you know, full-time CrossFit, which was, you know, or started to do CrossFit in 2007. So it's been 14 years. Um, but I was already in my thirties at that time. Right. Um, and, and I competed, but by the time I competed at, you know, I competed at regionals, uh, and the last year competing at regionals was 2012. And at that time, if you were a guy and you were snatching over 200 pounds, you were really strong. And, you know, if you were a woman, you were snatching over 130 pounds, you were really strong. And now, you know, the men, if you're really strong, you snatch over 300 and the women snatch over 200. So it's a completely different sport now. But I like to say kind of being in, you know, in between the lines on the competition floor, uh, having that experience, uh, training for, you know, for that experience. Um, I think that was invaluable, you know, for me and, and my coaching experience, Mm -hmm. but even more so than that, just the, my history as an athlete and my history of, of competing at a high level and understanding the pressures of that. And, um, especially golf, to be honest with you, because, it's an individual sport. And now I coach a lot of individuals and understanding like the mental pressure and, you know, what it takes for, for mindset training. Cause I did a lot of that as a kid and, mm. and, and did go to a sports psychologist a few times to, to work on uh, pre-shot routine and work on and work on, you know, um, in round thinking and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that stuff is, is unbelievably important. Now, as a CrossFit coach, I am a generalist, right? So I program and I'm essentially like what I like to think of myself as is, is kind of like the project manager, right? Yeah, totally. And then I work with, with 
specialists. Now, I, I have an endurance specialist who works with me and, and does, uh, we come up with a lot of the Metcom pieces or he'll write the Metcom pieces, uh, you know, and the monostructural, excuse me, the monostructural pieces. And, and then I'll, you know, take the ones I really like, we'll plug them in, I'll create the day. Um, you know, in the past, I've worked with a weightlifting specialist, we've worked with a gymnastics specialist. And, and what I do essentially is, um, is put everything together, right? And make sure that everybody's getting the best of what they need. Now, I'm proficient enough to be able to write a lot of those things, but it's always, you know, you're naive to think that you're the best at everything. So if you're not, if you're not collaborating with, with people who are specialists, who are better than you at certain things, um, then you're not going to put the best product out there. And, and ultimately that's the most important, the most important thing to me is that my athletes succeed and that they're reaching their maximum potential. It's not about me and it's not about my ego, right? It's not like I have to write it and I have to be the, no, it's about them succeeding and them reaching their fullest potential. And I'm going to do whatever it takes and collaborate with whomever I need to, to be able to make that happen. Do you think the sort of the future of where this is going is like, I I always compare it to something like, I I think it's very similar to MMA where it's like, there's, you know, a wrestling coach and a grappling coach, maybe a jujitsu coach and the strength conditioning coach, and they're all going to sort of collaborate. And there might be one person who's acting as sort of a head coach, sort of mm-hmm. like general manager, almost in a sense of like, they're coordinating all the logistics of when they're going to which session, how they're feeling overall for the athlete. Do you see like that as more of the role of like for you personally and other, you know, elite CrossFit coaches in the future? A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think it, I think in a way it's, it, it, it's already started to go that route. Um, mm-hmm. you know, where you, you see uh, a lot of the camps, right. Right. That, that will have, that will have sp- specialists, right. That will have coaching specialists and there'll be one kind of head chef, right. And then you've got your sous chefs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, without question. I, and I, and I, you know, I, like I said, I, I think that that's, I mean, it, I think that that's the, the, the smartest way to do it because, because ultimately you have, you have people who have devoted their entire lives to one specialty, right. To, to one specific thing. Um, and you know, ultimately speaking, like, uh, you know, my goal, like I said, is to, is to be proficient, uh, at programming, you know, several different specialties. Right. But, if there's somebody that that I look at and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know that that person's just incredible at what they do, you know, uh, I want to I want to work with that person. I want to bring that person on board, and I I want you know they're going to be able to teach these athletes things that that you know problem that I can't you know or that that I can't you know yet. Um, and you're always learning as a coach, right? I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. But if if you're if you're not willing to do that, I think in this sport you're going to be left behind. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, I think you see that with a lot of the, the top athletes, right? The top athletes, generally speaking, they have a head coach, but they've also, you know, they've worked with an endurance specialist. They've worked with a weightlifting specialist. They've worked with a right. gymnastic specialist and, and ultimately speaking, you know, that's, I think that's intelligent. And I, I think that's the way it's going to keep going. 
for sure. Yeah. Agreed. I, I also think that there's probably some benefit to knowing enough of all the different skills to be proficient so that when it's a more of a melting pot time of the season, like getting closer to competition, when you want to mix everything together and do, you know, met cons with weightlifting and gymnastics, that's where like the specialists are like, well, I don't want to do with that. That wasn't my sport growing up. Correct. That's where you come in and can yes. step in and start to, again, sort of blend more of those modalities together then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I think, I think we've done a good job of that and I've worked with some, some great, um, like I said, some great endurance specialists, weightlifting specialists, you know, we're lucky here, you know, with the athletes currently, um, kind of in house, right. At uh, underdogs athletics here in Vegas, there's four that were like high level gymnasts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> True, yeah. um, so that, that always helps as well, you know, um, cause there's, there's certain things obviously that, that, uh, that they just know, you know, from, from a super young age, which is awesome. I mean, they're, you know, uh, and, uh, but they can help the, the other athletes that, that weren't, you know, so, so that's, that's great. Um, but it's cool, man. It's, it's, it's fun in this setting to, to have athletes that are so proficient at different things, because, uh, even though they're not a team, um, you know, per se, a lot of days they work as a team and, and they, they help each other out, which is, you know, which makes my job a lot, a lot easier sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of our time today is going to be sort of spent on, like you said, like this camp that you've created in Vegas of these elite athletes. Yeah. And like, just like you said, I think it would be really easy for certain, like there's a lot more of these camps now popping up and it's like, yeah. I think it would be really easy for some of them to maybe as a more of an extreme word would be toxic, right? Where it's like you are always trying to beat the person next to you. And like when it's on the line, like you're, you're trying to sort of, you know, maybe not undermine what they're doing, but at the end of the day, like you want to beat them. Yeah. How do you like create sort of that team atmosphere rather yeah. than it being sort of dog eat dog? Like at the end of the day, like, of course, at the end of the day, you like, you're trying to get your best effort out of yourself, but ultimately like, how do you have it more be more of a, like a team building type relationship instead of a, like doggy dog head to head type yeah. atmosphere. I think without question that that's, that's, that's coming from the top down. Uh, and, and a lot of that is understanding very quickly, you know, what personalities you have there. You, ha you have to be able, you can't treat everybody the same. Uh, at least mm -hmm. I don't, you know, and yeah. before people came here or, or, you know, before we decided to do this, um, I spent a lot of time just having conversations, you know, with, with the athletes, you know, with those athletes, um, because you, you have to prepare them for what's about to come in the sense of like, listen, this is what we're doing, right? Like you're going to be in an environment where every single day you're going to be training next to somebody that ultimately at the end of the season, you're going to try to beat them, right? Like that's your goal. Yeah. Um, and we've got to understand that while that those competitive juices, like I don't, I don't want to pacify them, obviously, like mm -hmm. I, I want to enhance them. Like you, you have to understand that we're all here for a common goal. And if you don't think that your ego can handle training with that person every single day, then it's not the right situation for you. Right. Like 
that has to be explained and it, it has to be laid out very clearly prior to doing this, because there are definitely going to be some athletes that are like, yeah, it's not for me. And that is totally fine. Right. Like we've seen in the history of CrossFit that there are absolutely some athletes that can train by themselves and still be unbelievably successful. Right. Um, but we've also seen situations where the same athletes who trained by themselves then all of a sudden got together with other athletes <laughs> and they 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 now were otherworldly, right? Like it was a whole different level. Totally. Um, and you know, the athletes that we have here have done an unbelievable job of staying competitive, but also staying respectful and in a sense, really becoming a family, you know, like, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any way to do this without uh, a feeling, a sense of camaraderie and a, and a sense of love for the person that's next to you. And I think a lot of that just has to do with respect for the fact that they're putting in the work and suffering right next to you every single day. You know, and and uh, but but like you said, I, I don't I don't think there's any question that's not for everybody, and and that you have to come in and be open minded to understanding that, like, hey, you know, I'm trying to be the best that I can be. I respect that that person is trying to be the best that they can be. Uh, they're they're not my enemy day in and day out, but you, but man, I'm gonna try to beat their ass when it when the time comes, and and that's. And that's really the way you've got to look at it because, you know, if you don't have that competitive fire, you know, uh, when the time comes, like, you, you know, you could get soft and, and that's the last thing we're trying to do. If anything, we're, we're trying to create the opposite. So there's a fine line there and, and there has to be, you know, there has to be an understanding, you know, and a respect with still keeping, you know, that, that competitive fire. Yeah. Keeping that edge. And like building on it, like you said, I'm, it's obviously super important and it's something that you don't get if you're training alone, which is, yeah, obviously one of the big benefits of having a camp like you do when an athlete comes to you and they're like, say like one of the, the elites is coming to you and asking like, or at least talking about you potentially being their coach. You were talking kind of, you know, mentioning how you're in conversation with them before it's just like, yes, I'll take you on, which I imagine like a big part of you just like immediately wants to start coaching them because like they're an elite athlete. Like who right. wouldn't like, there's so many people who just would like to have one games athlete, for example, like number one, like how do you kind of create a little bit of separation there to make sure that they're actually a good fit for the team that's already in place. Um, and then like, what do some of those conversations look like? Yeah. I think everybody's a little bit different. Um, you know, it, it was interesting with everything that happened this year. Uh, you know, so when, when we moved here, you know, we had a long, I, I was already coaching Carrie, you know, for a while and Carrie essentially is, is part of our family, right? Like it's not, yeah. it's, it's obviously coach athlete relationship, but you know, if you've, if you've heard me kind of talk about my relationships with my athletes in the past, I'm, I don't know any other way than, you know, it's not, it's not a business relationship to me. You know, it never right. has been. I I'm an extremely emotional person. I, I get emotionally invested. Uh, and, and ultimately it, it becomes a, a family like situation. Um, you know, and, you know, so when we moved here to Vegas and Carrie was, you know, we spoke to her and she decided she was going to move out here with us. 
uh, with my family and I, and, and obviously she's not living with us, but, but, you know, she moved packed up from New York and came right. to Vegas. And, <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, uh, the situation that, you, you know, we kind of did stage one of the games all together with, with Bethany and Danielle, who I wasn't coaching at the time. And they, I think were impressed with the process and, and with my relationship with Carrie. And then they sat down with me to talk about coming out here and, and, you know, with me working with them. Um, and they're very different people like Danielle and, and Bethany. It's interesting, you know, yeah. personality wise, uh, extremely different. You know, uh, Bethany's extremely introverted. Uh, you know, she's, she's a lot like Carrie, uh, you know, where that the routine and the habits are, are, you know, it's like the Bible, you know, like they, they have their, <laughs> their, and, and Danielle's much more free spirited, you know, much, yeah. much more outgoing, uh, reminds me a lot of like, uh, I've, I've coached Colin Porter in the past who I love. Mm. And he's like our Aussie son. We call him our Aussie son. Um, Danielle reminds me a lot of Con. She's, you know, she's unbelievably talented, but you know, she also likes to have fun and go out and, and do things. You know, so, so there's a, there's a little, you, you treat people a little bit, there's a little bit of a different relationship. Um, and our conversations were different coming in, right? Like, you know, what they were looking for and, and basically what I try to establish as quickly as possible is, is trust, you know, is, is, is letting them know that like my goal as a coach, right. Is to help is to, is to help them reach a level that they've never reached before. Right. Is to, is to, is to, you know, and for these women, that's listen, they're both finished top 10 in the world, right. One's finished eighth in the world. One's finished 10th in the world. So that next level though, to get to top five in the world, you know, um, there is a difference there, you know, I mean, and, and you try to, explain to them, like, we've had success in the past. We've done it with Carrie. Um, and, and now it's, it's, it's a matter of them kind of buying into, you know, what, you know, it's uh, what you're saying and, and what you're doing and the process and, and everything else. Uh, but those, those conversations to me are very important and they're not, it's not something that happens in one conversation, right? It's like, it's, it's a series of conversations where you really get to know somebody and, and they get to know you and you are an open book. Like when I speak to an athlete, I'm like, listen, ask me what you want to ask, right? Like, because you don't want, you know, you don't want them to get here and then they're like, oh man, this isn't, you know, this isn't at all what I expected. It's not, it's not working yeah. out for me. It's not this, not that. So it's incredibly important uh, to, to, for them to gather as much information as possible and for me to gather that information. And then also to, to really let them know that once they commit to me, that I'm all in, you know, that I will do anything and everything in my power to get them to that next level and that they can trust me implicitly to do that and that I've got their back. And, and, you know, so that's unbelievably important to me. I think that if you don't establish that trust, that there's just, you know, that the, that the relationship will suffer and it takes people, you know, not all athletes take the same amount of time either, right? Like you can tell when an athlete is, is all in and you can tell when an athlete has one foot in and one foot still out. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but th at the end of the day, 
I know I'm all in. And, and if they, once they go all in, the results have been very good. So, um, you know, that's, that's a key. I think saying someone's like all in, I, I think everybody understands what that means. I think maybe in a day to day, that's a little bit more complicated to try to figure out what exactly that looks like. Like if you are an elite athlete, like what does all in actually mean for you minute by minute kind of going throughout your day, which is ultimately like what people talk about with like, you know, trusting the process and like all those, you know, that kind of language. If you have an athlete and they, they, they do go out, for example, or they miss a workout or, you know, all these little decisions that they might make that maybe it wasn't even like a conscious thing, but it doesn't necessarily align with their goals of being top five in the world or something, um, or like a podium or win the games. How do you go about having like a tough conversation yeah. with an athlete in a situation like that? Uh, that's, I mean, I think any coach will tell you, 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 you know, you have to be able to, there, yeah, there are times when tough love comes into play, right? Like there, you have to, um, there are situations that have happened in the past, you know, with athletes where you see certain things, um, you see uh, patterns, uh, you know, that, that aren't aligning with, with the goals. Um, you see where the, the routines or the habits, uh, aren't aligning. And, and at that point in time, I think if, you know, you aren't doing your athlete any justice if you don't address them, right? Like if you just keep letting it go, then you're as much responsible as the athlete is, I think. Now, once you say it, right? And once yeah. you and once you address it and once you bring it to their attention, obviously then it's on them, uh, you know, to 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 make those changes. But as a coach, you have to be there to help them. So if they you know, if the nutrition doesn't look great or they're not doing, then, then, you know, either you do it or you bring in a nutrition specialist, you know, you bring in someone to hold them accountable. Right. Mm. Um, if, you know, if there are some issues, uh, with, with sleep or, you know, not getting enough rest or whatever else there, those are things that, that, you know, are correctable. And those are things that need to be addressed. Ultimately the athlete has to want it. Right. But in the past, when, when I've addressed those things or I've seen those things, usually the, the changes are made and usually they're, they're, you know, it, and then the progress is, is immense, you know, and then once the athlete sees that changing those things has now like helped them get to the next level, then it doesn't take a lot of convincing after that. Yeah, they're right? way more likely to listen to you too. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, for, for instance, right? Like, and I'm not going to name names, but we had an athlete uh, here who's unbelievably talented. And, you know, and that athlete, in my opinion, just wasn't dialed in nutrition wise. Right. Um, and there was a workout that we did. I don't remember the specific workout, except that it involves uh, an assault bike and, <laughs> you know, and they were just smashed and, and, and literally got lapped, lapped by, by the other athletes. Uh, and after the, the workout was over, you know, they came to me and, and I was like, listen, 
I was like, this is what we have to do. And this is what you have to do. And if we don't do it, then this is just going to continue to be a pattern because you're, you know, you're not eating enough calories. You're not eating high enough quality food. You're not doing this. And they made the change and it's been, it's been unbelievable, you know, and it, and it's been a short time where, you know, the, 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 the improvements and the progress seen on a daily basis was enormous. Uh, and all it took was, you know, you say it's a small change. I mean, nutrition obviously is huge. Um, but really it was, it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't this, you know, mammoth change. It, it was, it was these, you know, and, and that's really what it is. It's, it's these small little changes to routines or habits that have these enormous differences. And, and, uh, but that's a that's a great example of 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 something that that actually happened. It's a tangible example, um, and and the results have been amazing. And and again, like you said, I think it it brings you closer as as athlete and coach because you know you as a coach recognized and then were willing to do what was necessary to help. Um, and then you know when the athlete sees the benefit, uh, it's it's massive. Yeah. You're like almost creating sort of a, like a fork in the road where it's like, either you're going to go closer to your goals and you're going to be more bought in the program. You're going to trust in me more as your coach, or you're going to, you know, choose not to do that. And then that's pretty clear as to like what decision that you're making. And like, you know, I think that's probably what a lot of coaches are afraid of is that they'll take the other route and go away from you. And you have to realize if you want to coach like the best in the world, like that's going to happen sometimes. And yeah. in order to get there, like you have to be willing to place that fork in the road for the athlete almost. You do. And, and, and not only that is it, sometimes you just can't, you can't worry about somebody's feelings. And, and, you know, yeah. I mean, it's as harsh as it is to say that, like, you know, sometimes it, you have to say what needs to be said. And, and you have to be able to make a tough decision sometimes, and it might rub that person the wrong way in a moment, but when they actually have a time to, to step away and think about it, generally speaking, they understand that you're doing it for their best interests. Um, right. and you know, those conversations sometimes need to be had. And that's, that's part of, you know, that's part of being a, a coach and it's, and it's part of coaching elite athletes. It's not always going to be puppy dogs and ice cream, right? Like you, you got, you got to sometimes, you know, you, 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 it, it sometimes gets a little messy. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that's where that whole background of trust, like that whole basis, right. Of, yeah. of trust comes in. Um, Cause you know, you're not, you're not being an asshole to be an asshole, right. You're, right. you're, you might have to, be a little bit of an asshole to be able to get them to understand like, listen, this is, this has got to change or we got to do this. Otherwise we're not going to get here. And this is where you want to be, you know? Um, yeah. so, so that's definitely part of it. Yeah. Like we had both mutually have the same goal of getting you to be the best athlete that you can be. Like that's what we're trying to do here. And that's where that conversation comes from. So it's much, it's, it's a different conversation than if you didn't have that background of trust already built Correct. in for sure. Yeah. Another topic, um, if we stick on the, the camp, uh, the training camp is I, I obviously like there's just way more it, it, like if you're head to head in a group and or a, you know, a, a training environment, I don't think anyone's really going to dispute that there's a, a lot of benefit to 
you know, having that intensity and that push with someone next to you. However, as we know with CrossFit, like intensity can sort of be a double-edged sword at times. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you ever have athletes who like maybe someone who came on site and obviously that's a initial change and there's a lot of other factors that go into that too, but maybe they, they had some burnout because the intensity was so high or just maybe just underperformed or under recovered because the intensity is higher. And if that is the case, like how do you go about kind of dealing with that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. So I think there are two good ways to answer that. I think one, um, you, is that there are some days when I'll have, and you know, they'll, they'll be, we'll have an athlete that, that you can tell just isn't feeling great or, you know, they just know that they don't have the intensity level. Right. They don't Um, have it that day. Yeah. And, and, and you've got to be willing and, and understanding as a coach to know that, listen, if they, if they compete day in and day out, like it's the final workout at the CrossFit games, they're yeah. not going to survive a season. You know what I mean? Like they're just, yeah. that, there has to be different levels of intensity and, and you have to be able to, to, to have a certain intensity level that you're, that you go into train with every day, but you also have to have another level that you can, can raise it to. Um, and you can't do that every day. And you, and you have to understand that as a coach and you have to understand that, that some days people are just going to be that way. Right. Like, and, and that's okay. Right. Um, and there's things to learn even from those days, right? Like you can learn something <laughs> right. from every workout that you do, whether you're feeling great, whether you're not, et cetera. So I think as a coach, you have to be flexible in, in, in understanding that that's the case. Um, and you know, I, I think, you know, the other thing that we do is we have very open conversations with our athletes about deloads, right? About, mm. um, you know, cause not everybody's on the same deload, like, and not everybody, because they're not the same person, right? <laughs> yeah, like exactly. uh, there, there's, there's very few athletes that I know that are like Carrie that can go literally. I mean, if Carrie, Carrie could go a whole season and, and, and not do a deload. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> I like laugh because I have to put it in a sky to force her to, to deload. Um, you know, and, uh, but then there are other athletes that, that need a deload every, every four weeks. Right. Um, and, and so you've got to really understand your athlete and you can't just say, okay, this is what we're doing for everybody. I mean, that's, that's irresponsible. Um, you know, it's not the individualized athlete or individualized coached athlete. Um, they're not on a template program, right? Like you've got to, you've got to take into account what works best for that person. Now, if someone's following a template program, that's a different story, right? That's a whole different animal. Um, But for the athletes that we have here or the athletes that I coach in general, coach remotely, et cetera, it's, you have to have that understanding and you have to know when to say when sometimes, you know? Um, so, you know, we build those things in and we also have, uh, you know, there's, there's constant communication about how people are feeling and where we need to adjust things or where we might need to back off percentage wise, et cetera. Um, and I think that just comes with, you know, um, being a, being a good coach and being educated. And I, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, 
that that makes me, I mean, there are a lot of coaches that do that obviously. And, and, and understand that, you know, you got to back off sometimes and, and you've got to allow, you know, people's bodies to recover, um, to, to be able to, to move forward and continuously move forward. Um, right. so those are, those are, those are two of the big things that we do. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I mean, one of the, the big challenges could just be logistically with having that many athletes on site doing different programs and then also trying to mesh them together. So for example, like you come off of a season, say it's, everybody makes it to the games. Let's just assume that. <laughs> and then, um, maybe they go through it, <laughs> go through some of the deload and then they maybe come back on site after at some point. And then it's like, okay, we're in more of an off season type, you know, limiter base, working on your weaknesses, that sort of thing, where it's maybe a little bit more individualized. How might that work logistically? Like where, you know, do you have, okay, everybody's doing their individual session in the AM and then we come back in the PM and do like a, you know, everybody's doing their thing together. How does that work practically on like yeah. a day-to-day type? Yeah. Uh, schedule? And, and that, that, that actually, that's a good example of kind of the way things have been uh, earlier in the season. There was a lot more individualized programming going on um as we've ramped up the season especially now we're getting ready for semis they're doing stuff together a lot more um it just it just ramps up the intensity um you know we we met con we make sure that we're met conning together it's now let's see if i count it um they're they're making sure to metcon at least three days where the entire crew is metconning together. Gotcha. Um, so three out of five training days, right in the gym. Yeah. But they're doing a lot of conditioning pieces together. Um, and generally speaking, at least one or at least a two or three will pair up for uh, weightlifting pieces as well. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's definitely increased more as we've gone on in the season, but there's definitely a part, a time in the season where we're really hammering weaknesses, you know, and, and we got, you know, listen, uh, Matt, Matt Delugos, one of one of the guys we have here, he's six foot four, right? Like he's always going to be, he's always going to need to hammer body weight movements just the way it is. I mean, he's, he's long, he's got long levers, et cetera. You know, Carrie Pierce doesn't need to, <laughs> doesn't need to practice handstand pushups very much, right? Like, you know, we touch on him, but you know, where he's really hammering away at strict handstand pushups and, and, and chest of bars and bar muscle, strict muscles, all these different things, you know, she doesn't need to do those pieces with them. So there are times where it's just going to look a little bit different, but the one thing we try to keep as consistent as possible, um, is, is doing metcons together because as you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just hard to recreate that type of, of environment and intensity when you're doing it by yourself. Um, and, and I was telling them like, you didn't come here to do this by yourself. You could have done that at your home gym, wherever you came from. Um, so if you're not metcon with the group, uh, you, you know, you're not able to level up every single day. Again, even if, even if the intensity level is not necessarily at 10, you know, what you're going to do by yourself is not going to be at the same intensity level. Uh, so, you know, so that's, that's kind of the way it looks, you know? Yeah. No, that definitely sheds a lot of light. Yeah. I, I think that when you have a, 
again, a, a group of people and they're all sort of doing their own thing, but then they, they come together to sort of do like their sport sessions. There's, that's where you're really trying to push the intensity and it's just so much benefit to that. In those, in the Metcons where you all come together is, do you like have a, and this is like super practical, <laughs> but um, I, I think that's a lot of what coaching is, but it's like, it, are you going to say, okay, when we have these three days a week, we start the Metcon at 3.30 p.m. and they all do a, a different warm-up to get there and they all kind of do their own different routines? Or is it like we all go through a structured progression together and you have to be at the gym at this certain time? Or is it just kind of like whenever you everybody rolls up in the afternoon, they get started? So we have a designated time that they do the Metcons on Tuesdays, Fridays, Saturdays. So there's a time. Gotcha. Right. So yeah. if you show up late and your warm up is cut short, that's on you. Right. right? Like that's your fault. Um, now I write warm ups uh, for everybody, but there is definitely some leeway there because there are some athletes that really like to do some of their own warm ups. They've got, they've done that in the past. They feel comfortable there. And I like to, I like to say I'm a player's coach. So, you know, I, I definitely allow some leeway there. Um, yeah. and what I say is that the warmups that I'll give them are definitely suggested, but they can add and subtract the stuff that they like and, and feel good with. Um, but there's no leeway when it comes to the time like that's Yeah. yeah like that, that's when we're going to mech on. And, you know, I think it's important because I think, you know, listen, competitions, there's a specific time you have to be ready for it. You have to be, um, you got, you know, you gotta be mentally and physically ready to go. Um, and, and so I think that's just good practice. Um, yeah, totally. you know, uh, but you know, aside from that, as you were saying, like some, some people take a little longer to warm up. Some people take a little short, you know, don't take quite as long to warm up. They, they kind of understand that and know that. Um, and, and I, like I said, I'll, I'll give some leeway on that, but we're very structured when it comes to, um, you know, when we're starting, et cetera. So I'd say it's kind of in the middle, right? Like I wouldn't yeah. say I'm a, I'm a drill sergeant, but at the same time, I wouldn't say it's just this free for all, right? Like there definitely has to be some structure there. Yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, there, I think the past games athletes were a little bit more like free spirit and relaxed about how they went about their training sessions. Like, you know, kind of get moving whenever you kind of feel like it. Cause you're maybe if you're on your own, you have one other training partner, you show up and it's very relaxed, but yet at the same time, like that's not the way the games is run. Right. Like Dave isn't like, all right, well, we'll see. You can maybe show up in the <laughs> afternoon sometime. We'll do event four. Like that's not yeah. how it works. Like it's, no. it is regimented and you yes. all have a start time. It, it's very like, yeah, it's, it's structured. Well, he comes um, from but that at the same seal. time. It is right. Exactly. He comes from that's that actually one of the things background. I was going to say. Yeah. So I, I think without question, like you, you have to be ready for that. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and so that, you know, but, but it's interesting. Like I see a lot of people, uh, a lot of athletes in the past and a lot of camps that do like simulated semifinals weekends or right. things like that. And I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I just think I I'm very concerned about creating an environment where they're going to, where you're going to see the athletes compete at an intensity that then again, two or three weeks later, they've got to turn around and go compete at that same intensity. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of creating a simulated, mm -hmm. but I do think it's important on a weekly basis to have 
specific start times for Metcons just to get in the, the mind frame of that. So, you know, that that's, I would say that's a, a something that's probably a little bit different about stuff, you know, that we do is that I see a lot of people that do that. And I'm just not a, not a huge fan of it. I just am a little concerned about having to, you know, go to that place because if you call it simulated semis, people are going to want to compete, you know, at that, yeah. at that hot. And I, I don't, right. you know, to me, it's like, okay, there's not, I, you know, there's not a simulated Olympics. You know what I mean? Like I want, <laughs> I want, I want you to be, you know, I want you to peak at that time. And I, I don't, you know, I don't want to take the chance of, of us crashing after we do this simulated one. So yeah. yeah so and especially if, if you have an athlete who's a perennial athlete and they've, they've been to, you know, multiple events that are multiple workouts long, like they've had that backlog of experience already. They don't really need to do that a bunch more times. Like that you're better off maybe being a slightly erring on the side of maybe being, you know, under trained or maybe just better recovered than, you know, being super ready for competition, but feeling like you're burnout because you just went super hard in five events in a weekend as a simulated comp. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Do you have a program like the 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 Metcons where everybody's together? Is that usually like, hey, this is what the sport is, like quote, like that's what you'd be saying, and, and like we all do exactly the same thing? Or are you giving people tweaks of the ways that they are individualizing this workout for them on a given day? So, for example, the workout is just regular double unders. You might give somebody heavy, but at you know a less rep range or something. Do you change it or tweak it at all, or no? Generally speaking, when we do the Metcons together, it's uniform. Okay. Now, listen, if we need to modify or scale something because of somebody's health, that's a different story. Yeah, totally. Um, but generally speaking, they want to compete. Yeah. <laughs> and they if be you able to change, compare a little bit. If you change yeah. the workout slightly, it's not the same workout. Yeah. Usually they, they don't like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> they want to they wanna be able to compete. And, and, and also, it's, it's good. It's good to be able to uh, to see one thing that I, that generally speaking will do in Metcons too. And unless they come up to me and ask me, um, I like to let them figure it out because then we can take what they did, assess it, and then make changes to the strategy afterwards. But yeah, generally it's, it's fun for me to kind of see how they would attack a workout without my help. And then Mm. we can look at it and say, okay, you know, this is what you did great. And this is where we can make some, some changes and this is how we can improve, you know? Um, but yeah, generally speaking, the, the Metcons are uniform. It's just, they, they like to compete and, and it, it's, uh, you know, if it, if one thing is different or this thing is different, then it's not quote unquote the same. So the, the comparison right. doesn't, doesn't mean as much. It doesn't you know hold as much water. Right. Totally. All right. Final question for you. Yeah. What is your vision with underdog athletics as a whole um, and your presence in Las Vegas? Well, I, I think underdogs, you know, we, we started it very, very small and, and you know, as, as far as, a, as an online program, you know, but to me, underdogs athletics is more of a movement. And, and I say that in the sense of, um, you know, we've got a, a physical, tangible, you know, training space. We've got an online program. We've got, you know, kind of like uh, a theme behind it, right? And I, you know, my goal for it is is really to help athletes 
uh, reach their maximum potential. I mean, it's, it sounds simple, but, but, you know, that's what it all started out of, you know, like I, I got into this business to help people, you know, our, our motto back in, in, in New York at, at dynamics is, is change your fitness, change your life. And that, that, can be on a micro or a macro level. You know, it can be for the the everyday uh, person. It can be for the the elite athlete. So, you know, I think what we're going to do is is, is as we expand, because right now we just have a competitive program online. But our goal is to have a general fitness program. Our goal is to um, have uh, you know pre and pro- postnatal. Um, you know, my wife is is pre and postnatal certified. She's phenomenal. She coaches a lot of of pre and postnatal women, and and um, you know, so that's something we're going to add. We're going to do affiliate programming. You know, all that kind of stuff. So we we've got a big vision as to where we want to go, but I think it's incredibly important to to grow it organically. Um, you know, to to do it the right way, and and uh, and and that's what we're doing. You know, um, and it's. It's been amazing to be here and have these athletes, you know, as part of our family and our community. It's been incredible. The first launch of Underdogs was was really successful, and then we, if you notice, the way we did it was we opened up registration and then we and then we shut it down. We're we're not taking people on in the middle of the cycle because I just don't think that's fair. It's not fair to the program. It's not fair to the person, you know, to jump in in the middle. Um, yeah. And and so we're doing things a little bit differently, but again, it's 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 small, it's manageable. And, and, you know, I, I love the way that it's growing and, uh, you know, we're just, um, you know, I just think we're here to help people, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. You guys are doing it the right way and it shows. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, Justin, thanks for doing this today. My pleasure, Ben. Hey, it's Ben again. And I want to take a minute to talk about our online training program, The Protocol. The Protocol is for athletes who want to train for the sport of fitness. It's programmed by me, and it's my best attempt at preparing athletes with varying strengths and weaknesses for the demands of the sport. And I do this through the use of silos, which basically means I segment parts of the program based upon athletes' ability in a particular area. So, for example, an element of the program this fall on Tuesdays and Thursdays was gymnastics-focused training. And there are four different silos, so athletes could choose to work on chest bars or muscle-ups or handstand push-ups or handstand walks. In other words, we are all doing the same core program, but there are ways to individualize it on a weekly basis. And as part of the program, I also include coaches' notes, technique videos, and educational resources almost daily. My goal is not just have this feel like you're doing a workout plan, but to feel like I'm actually coaching you through the process of becoming the best athlete you could be. And having access to the protocol is just part of the benefit of being a pro member. You also get instant access to the vault, which is exactly like it sounds. It means that you unlock the ability to be able to download all the programs that I've ever written. So this includes things like Bulletproof Body, which is the accessory work for functional fitness, gymnastics density for the big five, functional thickness, your first muscle up, cyclical supremacy, overhead squat mobility, breath work for the support of fitness, and it could go on and on. And lastly, you get instant access to pro articles, which are on topics that I really want to safeguard from the public and keep for my athletes. Stuff like cycle speeds for CrossFit open movements, strength ratio data analysis, so basically determining your relative weaknesses on strength work, breaking down sanctionals programming or games programming, 
energy systems testing and analysis, and a whole lot more. And if this sounds like stuff that you're into, you can get a seven-day free trial of Pro. Simply head over to zorfitness.com slash pro. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay the course.